Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. I'm so thankful that you found the podcast today. And if you are encouraged and blessed by what you hear, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with others, as well as subscribe to the podcast. And one step further, maybe even write a review on iTunes. I'm still learning about the benefits of subscribing and reviewing, but suffice it to say, it somehow helps more people find the podcast, which in turn gives more people help in their own fight for joy. So thank you for helping with this and doing what you can to bring encouragement and hope to others. Well, today I am joined by my friend Molly Huffman. I share a little bit about how we got to know each other at the beginning of our conversation, but our connection came through our shared grief over both losing a son, as well as our resulting desire to share the comfort and healing and hope that we have each experienced along the way with anyone who will listen. We decided to call this episode Fighting for Joy in Lament. Is that a word that you're familiar with? Because honestly, before Jackson died, I didn't think about it very much. In fact, I wonder how many times, if ever, I even said the word out loud before 2013. It's just not a word that is used very much these days. But for both Molly and myself, the examples in scripture of biblical lament have really resonated with us. It's a word that's able to describe what we have experienced and are still going through in ways that words like sadness, grief, depression, or sorrow can't fully do. Lament goes further. It is crying out to the Lord and releasing our emotions, but it also includes asking for his help to respond in trust, worship, and eventually joy. Lament helps us focus on God's character and promises while allowing us to acknowledge the continued pain and struggle. So that's a little background on the title of this episode, but Molly will share more about this during our conversation as it has been one of the key tools in her own fight for joy. A fight that really has been brutal and hard fought because although Molly and I were introduced because of her son Tage's death, sadly her story of brokenness and grief did not start there and it certainly did not end there. Molly has suffered terrible losses one after another, and her story is heartbreaking. And her story will also encourage you as she gives powerful and firsthand testimony of just how worthy God is to be trusted, even in the midst of horrific circumstances, even through things like miscarriage, disease, divorce, death, and shattered dreams. Listen in as Molly shares her story, and her hope. Hi, Molly. Hi, Jody. I have really been looking forward to this conversation today. Thanks for being here with me. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I will share in a minute how you and I met. But first, I would like you to just share a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to um, to my listeners. Uh, what does your life look like in Kentucky? So I am uh, an Indiana transplant now living in Kentucky. And um, I live with my husband and our children. And um, I'm staying home with uh, our youngest right now and doing some speaking and some writing. And mm-hmm. um, it's just been a big time of a lot of change, but a lot of growth too. For sure. And you're a new author, which we will be talking about later, but I'm sure that takes up some of your time too, the promotional and marketing for that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, you and I met um, a few years ago through our mutual friend and someone who's kind of, you know, was a mentor for us in grief, and that's Nancy Guthrie. She she connected us at a women's conference that she was speaking at in Indianapolis and Nancy does this really special thing where she just kind of sets aside time during gatherings like that to bring grieving mothers together in hopes that they will make connections and develop friendships that, you know, just create a much needed sense of community when you're in the midst of grief. And at this conference, um, a group of us all met in the evening late one night in Nancy's hotel room. I think, do you think there were like 10 or 15 of us? Yes, I think so. Yeah, about like, and then we just went around the room. We shared our stories, our progress. We shared our, our tears. Um, you know, I think Nancy just knows the loneliness of grief and it's just special and meaningful that she, that she does this. And I know I left feeling not so alone, uh, in my grief. That's, that was just a special evening. It was, it, it really was. And it's just so helpful anytime we are with people who have had similar experiences, you know, it's so comforting. It is. 
Well, I remember um, just being greatly impacted by your story that night in Indianapolis. And I'm thankful that you're willing to come on the podcast today to share it with um, my listeners. And, you know, although you and I met because of our mutual loss of a child, um, your grief journey didn't start there and it hasn't ended there. So, so let's just begin by having you share kind of a big picture view of just the hard journey that you've been on over the last number of years, just the grief upon grief that you have experienced and wherever you want to start is good with me. Okay. Well, um, I think I always have to start with, you know, what my expectation and plan was Hmm. for my life as we all have, Mm -hmm. you know, an, an idea of how our life is going to go. And so mine was, I was, um, the oldest of four children. So I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to have a big family. I wanted to live near my family. Um, and that really was my dream. I didn't have career goals or particular ministry goals, anything like that. I just wanted to be married with a lot of kids. Um, Mm -hmm. and so after college, I met my husband and, um, and we, you know, began a life together. And, uh, about a year later, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was melanoma that had returned and it had metastasized. Um, and so, you know, things just weren't looking good. And, and I remember, um, just, it was really the first grief in my life that Mm. like, no, Lord, I, I can't do this without her. Like Mm -hmm. you can't take her, Mm -hmm. you know, she's my favorite person and, um, Mm. and just such a joyful woman. Like, why would you take her? And so a few months later, she, she passed away and, and with her, a lot of those dreams, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that I'd had because I wanted to raise children and have her be the grandma and and all of that. And so, um, anyway, a, a couple years later, um, my husband and I started trying for family and our first pregnancy ended in miscarriage, um, on my mom's birthday of all days. And it was another devastating loss, you know, Mm -hmm. just that my plans weren't going how, how I had, had dreamt that they would go. Um, and yet after losing my mom, um, I, I learned how God rushes in, in our pain and, Mm -hmm. and how really sometimes the suffering, maybe always, if we allow it, the suffering can be a refining process that shows us who he is. Mm -hmm. And so I knew from that experience that he didn't waste pain and that he loved me and that he could be trusted. And so, um, about a year after that, we, um, tried again and, uh, our son Tage was born in March of 2014 and, um, I was an elementary teacher at the time. And so I stayed home to be with him and, and I just was so excited because, um, you know, finally my dreams were coming true. I was going to be a mom and, um, and so when he was about four or five months old, we could tell that something was just off. Um, and we went to multiple doctors. And finally, when he was six months old, uh, a new doctor told us that he uh, was labeled as failure to thrive and, and more testing needed to be done to know exactly mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up at the children's hospital in, in Indy and, um, they came in after a couple of days of testing and, and told us that he had a terminal genetic disease um, and that most babies with this very rare disease called Lay's disease, um, none of them lived to their first birthday. And I just remember the room spinning. It, it did feel like it, this couldn't possibly be my life. You know, yeah, this is yeah. again, not part of the story. And, um, and so we got to take Tate home for uh, two more beautiful and excruciating mm. months. And um, he required a G-tube to eat, which did allow him to be with us a little bit longer. Um, but it was just, of course, unlike any mm. any season, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, in 
waiting for a child to die as well as then grieving the child once they're no longer there. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll go into that some more, but, Mm -hmm. um, and so I was home that year on maternity leave. And so for the rest of the school year, I had all this time Mm. and I'm so grateful that the Lord pushed me into his word because I was trying shopping and alcohol and sleeping, you know, and Mm -hmm. none of those things were Mm -hmm. sustaining me, you Mm -hmm. know, like maybe they'd help for a second, but then I'd wake up the next day, you know? So I, for the first time read through the whole Bible Mm. and it was there that I really just learned, um, so much about who God is. And, um, a, a couple months after Tage died, we got some genetic testing back that revealed that any future biological children we would have would have a fairly high likelihood of having this disease. Hmm. And I just remember, I think that was maybe, maybe it was the deepest grief or maybe it Hmm. was just a knife in an already grieving heart, you know, that, so you're telling me my son is gone and now I can't have any more children, you know, um, and I was willing to try mm-hmm. because I just wanted children so badly. But my husband was like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, and so there was just this long period of time where, where I just, I was like, Lord, what is going on? Like what in the world is happening? Um, and then a year after our son died, um, my husband came to me and told me that he needed to let me go. And it came as such a shock because, um, you know, we had gone to this retreat, you know, for grieving parents Mm -hmm. and we'd, you know, we claimed our marriage and, um, and I really believed us. I I believe that that's what we were going to do. And, um, and so it was just so shocking and there are a lot of details there, but yeah. But basically a couple months after he said that, I uncovered um, that there had been infidelity for at least five years of our marriage. Oh. And um, yeah. and he was sort of continuing in that pattern. And so I felt very okay with just fully releasing hmm. our marriage to God. And, um, so and so he filed for divorce and, and then we were, you know, divorced a few months later and Um, so then all of a sudden I was 32 years old at the time and had to sell our home, which I loved, which was another loss because Mm -hmm. I just had made a place, you know, in this, this house was my home and, and I brought Tage home to it and Tage had died in it. You know, it was just, it was so hard to let that house go. And, um, and then I was in an apartment, Mm. um, you know, motherless, childless, divorced, and just like, Lord, what in the world are you doing? And yet in that little apartment, it was, it was like this little nest and he just, Hmm. um, cuddled me there, you know, and, and gave me a vision for the future and, and showed me the ways that he'd been working over the last few years and that this was not surprising or shocking to him and that, you know, we were going to be okay. I didn't have my mom or my husband or my son in that apartment, but God was there. And, um, and it was just really amazing. And, and so, um, after all of that loss, then, um, then there is a redemption. So I don't know if you want to dive into that now. Let's save that for a little later, because um, I think it's important to just sit for a minute in all of this, you know, loss and just, you know, I've heard you share your story a couple of times now, you know, and it's just, it feels so tender and, you know, just harsh and brutal and painful. And, you know, I'm just, I continue to just be, I know I say that sometimes on Instagram or something, I'll be like, I'm so proud of you, you know, Molly, for just (laughs) pressing forward. But 
obviously also grateful to the Lord um, and just in awe of how he is able to to meet us, like you said, in that in that apartment that just he quickly met you and showed you, you know, that he was going to sustain you and carry you and, you know, provide for you in the midst of all of this brokenness. And that is such a gift. Um, I'm sure it was a messy, hard process, but um, the way that you explained it is beautiful. And, you know, you share your story in your in your new book, and I will want to talk about that in a little bit. But I just I have to tell you that it is a very well done and powerful book, Molly. I I actually downloaded um, the sample last week, um, just knowing that you were going to be on the podcast, and I was like, "Well, I should get an overview of the book and kind of be reminded of some parts of your story." But um, the sample was not enough. You pulled me in, <laughs> and I on that <laughs> same day just went and bought the whole book. Um, and I've been reading it um, nonstop ever since. You are a beautiful writer. And, you know, so one of the things that you address early on in the book is what you mentioned as you started telling your story. Um, and I think it's super important to address. Um, and that is the false expectations that we can tend to have about God or like you said about what our life should look like, um, especially if we are, quote, trying to be a good Christian. And that's one thing that you had brought up was that, you know, your family's a good family. You're trying to obey God. Um, so why is God not honoring you for that or rewarding you for that? And um, I loved how you said, like, you weren't expecting much. Like you were you were just asking for a few of the basic blessings that, you know, by any of the world's standards is extremely, you know, could be expected by anybody. So um, then we're disappointed, right, when he doesn't give us these things. So just share a little bit about um, about how that felt, like when you were realizing that your expectations, the things you had hoped for your life, the things you'd ask God to provide, and he obviously gave you these desires in your heart, they weren't coming to fruition. How did you struggle with that with your Christian faith, trying to be a good Christian and yet not having God, um, I don't know, do his part or reward you or um, honor that? Yes. Well, um, you know, there had been a change in my heart before all of this happened that was, I wanted to go deeper hmm. in my relationship with the Lord. And, um, I, I told him one day I, I surrendered my life to him. You know, I, I had given him my life as a child and I'd followed him, um, you know, and into my young adulthood, but there was a moment when I was like, okay, I see what other people have. It's deeper, hmm. it's more authentic. And I want that Lord. So here's my life. I want that. I want you. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted it so much that I was like, whatever you have to do. And the, the crazy part is that literally two weeks later is when my mom called me and told me that her cancer was back and it was bad. Wow. Um, you know, and so it's, it's easy for us to think like, oh my gosh, I could never pray that prayer then because God's going to take away mm -hmm. things that I love. Mm -hmm. But what I had learned was I had made little G gods, mm -hmm. little idols of people in my life. You know, I, I went to my mom for everything and, um, mm. it, it may be in codependent ways at times, you know, rather than going to God. And it's not that God doesn't want us to have deep relationships because he made us for relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but with the main relationship being with him and, and as long as I was comfortable, I can see now that I would have never needed him. Hmm. You know, I would have never looked to him if my mom were here and I had my perfect little house with my perfect little family. And so it's crazy to say it, but I, I can honestly say I am grateful hmm. for the loss because I like this version of me better. Hmm. It is more authentic. And I know God in deeper ways. And, and as a Christian, I know that, you know, eternal, the eternal things are what matter more than what I can see right now. And, mm. and so to me, it was a blessing that God took those things away from me because I would have never let them go on my own. Mm. And, you know, I, now if you would have asked me that while my mom was dying or while Teach was dying, you know, I couldn't have said that, mm -hmm. but 
in retrospect, I can see that that sometimes God loves us so much that when we can't let go of our idols, he will take them down for us hmm. because he loves us, because he knows that they could never fulfill us the way that he can. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And it's super hard. <laughs> I mean, right. I don't know if I'm there yet. I really don't. Like, I just, I do like this version of me sometimes, but other times I miss who I was before grief entered our home and our family. And so I hear what you're saying, and I think God is working on that with me. Um, but I love, you know, I love the the word that you used earlier, which is the refining work of suffering. And I definitely have appreciated that and leaned into that and seen um, some really neat fruit um, develop. Um, but boy, I still really struggle. And I hear people say that who have gone through hard things. Like if I had to go through it all again, you know, I would. And I just always kind of think, oh, I don't know if I could say that. But I think I've had to wrestle with the both and. Like I don't have to decide. I can say right. both. Like I would give anything to have Jackson and his friends back here again. Yes. And I mean, I am learning a lot about God's word and his care and his comfort. And so it's kind of a, a both thing. But I think the question that is worthy of you answering, um, and I think it's a real one for our listeners that are going through hard things is even with all of this loss. So you, you know, you're motherless, you're childless, you're husbandless, you're alone in an apartment. I mean, how did you wrestle through the question of, is God really worth following, right? Like, can you say genuinely now, I know you can, <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, <laughs> I mean, and I can too, but I mean, how do you get to the point where you can say, you know, from your heart that the Christian life is still worth it and God is still worth following, even walking through all that you have? I, it's a process for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and there are days even now, um, you know, like, like, as much as I like this version of me better, there are, it's, it will actually be the six year anniversary of Tage's death next week. Hmm. And I have cried so much in the last couple of weeks leading hmm. up to that because, mm -hmm. because there is still pain. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you said, it's the both and like, um, I like, I like parts of who I am better, but I, I, I do look back and I, I think, oh, those days when I had really experienced very little loss and mm -hmm. I had my infant son and my bigger house with my friends and family nearby, you know, like, yes, sometimes I have to even still just grieve it and be like, Lord, this is how it feels today. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just need you to know that and I need you to comfort me in it because, you know, because I, I do say to him, is it, is it really going to be worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. is the loss really going to be worth it? And I think that's the, that's been the key word for, for me has been lament, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is just not something that I was taught in church. You know, I was taught, you know, to pray with the acts acrostic, right. ACTS, you right. know, yes. adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But there was no place there for me to just groan and lament. And um, so during that time, uh, after Tage died, as well as in my apartment, uh, I, I wrestled mm -hmm. with God because I mm -hmm. wasn't sure if it was going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. And if I could really follow a God who would take away the people that matter most to me and who would give me these desires and then take them away, that seemed cruel, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I didn't think he was cruel, but it seemed cruel. And I had to wrestle with all of that. And, um, what really helped was reading in scripture, how Job, uh, you know, laments, he hmm. pours out his honest feelings to God without holding back, not out of irreverence, but out of a deep relationship. Hmm. Just like, you know, when my toddler is mad at me, he doesn't hold back. You know, <laughs> if I take something that he wants and he knows he's safe because he knows no matter what he, what he does and says, I'm still going to love him. Right. You know? Right. Um, 
And so we see Job do that and we see David do it. And we even see Jesus do it when, Mm -hmm. you know, he asked the Lord to, you know, take this cup from him. And what I like about David's model of lament is that he pours out all of his honest feelings Mm -hmm. to God. And then in the translations that, you know, I read primarily, I'll often see the word, but... And so he pours out all how he's really feeling. And then Mm. he says, but, Mm. and he remembers who God is, you know, and that has been so powerful Mm. for me in Mm -hmm. my moments of doubt, even still, even a month ago, I said, Lord, is this really worth it? Like, Hmm. is is it, is it, are you really going to make it okay? Because this is really hard today, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love that you use the word lament because I think it is a word that I have gotten a lot more familiar with in grief as well. And it it just has a whole nother level of grieving and sorrow than just, you know, a word like sadness. Um, and so, and you're right. I mean, the models that we have in scripture, the ways that we can learn about um, just a, a way to acknowledge our feelings, acknowledge our pain and acknowledge our doubt. And then, like you said, follow it up with a, but what do I know for sure? What promises can I cling to? What, you know, all of these things feel so unknown. What is known? And um, that has been extremely helpful to me too. And I think that is a big reason why you and I both are wanting to continue to share our story too, is to get more people familiar with lament, comfortable with lament. And I think in the church and out of the church, it's just, that's a scary word for people as is divorce, as is cancer, as is, you know, special needs children, um, you know, whatever kind of hard things that, um, that people are walking through. A lot of times those are, those are unsettling conversations for even Christians to have with one another. And so the more we talk about it, the more that we can, you know, help people to become familiar with it and see it in scripture themselves. Um, And, you know, as I was hearing you talk too, it made me think of that word karma. I mean, as Christians, we don't use that word karma, but practically I think a lot of us live like that. We think, you know, A plus B equals, you should equal C, right? Like if we obey God, he will only bring blessings. And I think it's a common way of thinking for so many people, especially because we crave, like you said, the ease in life, the comfort in life. Um, you know, we also crave control. We want to feel like we have some sort of say in how our life will look. And that can get us into situations of almost bargaining with God or looking to him as sort of a Santa Claus. Like we we're good when he thinks he's, when we think he's watching and then in return, he's supposed to give us all these great presents, you know, or I've also heard the analogy of a vending machine God where we're, we're putting money in, right. Whether that be good deeds or being a nice person, going to church, giving money to the less fortunate, whatever it may be. And in return, we expect God to shoot out whatever kind of candy that we've ordered, yep. right? Like, and, and you and I both know that, number one, it just doesn't work that way. But number two, that's a transactional relationship that's very impersonal, very unfulfilling. Um, you know, we just can't see the beauty of Christ when we're only looking at God for what he can give us or how he is useful to us. Yes. Well, one thing um, that jumped out at me in the book, you know, centered around um, that idea of like God being good um, versus the reality of God is God being good to me, right? And you brought that up a little bit. Um, But I think that, you know, as Christians and even non-Christians, we can tend to believe that, you know, once we've gone through something hard, like for you, your initial loss of losing your mom at a young age that we should have you know, a pass almost for the rest of our life or at least a long time between hard things. But your story, you know, it reminds us that's not a guarantee. So did you have that sense, though, after your mom died of just, okay, I've just now endured a big and heartbreaking loss. So I need now to not have any more hard things in my life. Oh, 100% because I was 24 when she died. And so none of my other friends had lost a parent, let alone even their parents. Right. None of my close yeah. friends' parents had lost a parent. And so, you know, to me at the wow. time, it seemed like yeah. such a big abnormal loss in my circle of people. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, all right, this is it. This is going to be our one thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it really... You know, then when there was a miscarriage, 
and then Tage's diagnosis, you know, I just, it just seemed like too much. And, and by the time my husband filed for divorce, I, I literally chuckled one day because mm-hmm. I was just like, okay. Like, yeah. It just seems just, so unreal. You know, yeah. So much. But, yeah. um, but what you said about, you know, vending machine God is so, is so true. That is how, how I thought. And, and sometimes I think even how, you know, churches may teach us, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're good, God will reward you. Um, you know, and I think sure doing, doing the good things, uh, there is blessing there, you know, mm-hmm. in obeying mm-hmm. what God has told us to do, there is blessing, but it may not be material mm-hmm. blessing. It may not be that we get to have everything we've ever wanted. Um, yeah. and you know, like you said too, it, that takes the relationship out of it, which mm-hmm. is the whole point. God wants a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, well, you know, and knowing that we don't have a past and knowing that we're not exempt from further hurts and pain in this broken world. I mean, that's a big reason why I'm doing this podcast that's called Fighting for Joy, because sometimes then knowing that we can be, you know, waiting for the next shoe to drop or, just living almost paralyzed by fear or worry or anxiety. So how have you, how have you fought for joy knowing that, you know, this life is hard, this world is broken. What are some practical ways that you, you know, fight worry and anxiety about the future and just stay in the fight for joy? Yeah. Um, There are, as I was thinking about this, probably like five, five things things that are the biggest for me right now in this Mm -hmm, season. mm -hmm. Um, and the first being lament because, you know, grief comes back, it comes back and the world is broken and there's so much to lament. And so taking time to really express that to God, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. is huge for me. And, you know, so then that sort of couples with in, in order to, to say, but, and to remember who God is and what he's done. Um, I have to also be in scripture because I need to know what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I learn who he is. And, um, and so that combination of, of lament and, and reading scripture, I, I, my whole perspective changed when scripture started coming alive to mm-hmm. me after yeah, the death same. of my mom, you know, before that, the Bible was so boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had grown up in church, you know, but it just, it didn't come alive to me until suffering. And, um, and so it has, it's been such a great tool, um, and worship music, mm-hmm. you know, my, my brain just, I feel the enemy attacks me in my thoughts. Yeah. And so if I can replace those thoughts with, truth and there's something about music isn't there mm-hmm, that's just like sure. soul deep yeah it must be a language of heaven you know because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just so and so leaving that you know leaving worship music on in my home during a day when I'm speci- specifically battling anxiety um I think helps to fight um and slowing down um hmm. I used to be a busy person who, who needed to be busy to feel validated and important. Hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I've learned that if I can slow down, then I have time for lament and reading scripture and, um, and just not the stress mm-hmm. of this busy, busy schedule. And so it's been a gift. Um, I'm just home during the day with our toddler and, um, you know, I realized that not everyone could necessarily do that, but what, what could you take off of your plate? Like, how could you just slow down because our world is at such a crazy, crazy pace, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then exercise and being out in nature um, Hmm. has been really helpful just to keep endorphins going for my mental health and, um, and just beauty. I've been, with as with grief and the craziness of the world, I feel like my soul has just needed beauty hmm. to be reminded of, um, you know, God seeing God in control of beautiful colors and 
you know, the symmetry and the order of different things in nature, you know, and just being reminded of that. I just um, finished reading the book, Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. Hmm. And um, it's, I'm forgetting the tagline, but it's basically, um, you know, practical things for the, for the craziness of what the world is right, right. now. That you know? sounds great. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy is he wrote the book a year ago before there was a pandemic, you know, even, um, and so it just, it's come at a great time. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of times you read books with practical tips and you're like, I've re- I know all these, right. but I'm telling you, I would highly recommend his book. It, it just really is all about soul care mm. and, mm. and how, um, you know, our, our world is just kind of chaotic and, and how can we like settle ourselves? And, and a lot of the things that he has, that he talked about have really been, Hmm. been helpful. That's, that's beautiful. And I will look that book up. I haven't heard of that, but I love how, like you said, all of those five things that you just mentioned really are about soul care and they all have been things I've implemented into my life as well. And I love how you explained, you know, seeking beauty. That has been a huge theme for Um, my husband, Eric, and for me as well in grief. And I wasn't able to really verbalize why, but I love how you explain that. And that has definitely been something that has been good for my soul as well. I want to take a quick break from our conversation to thank Faithful Counseling for sponsoring this episode. If you have been a regular podcast listener, you know that throughout our family's grief journey, we have been greatly helped by Christian counseling. And because of that, I regularly recommend it to others who are struggling with the brokenness of this world, especially if they feel stuck and unable to move forward in life. The team at Faithful Counseling will carefully pair you with a professional licensed therapist who will combine biblical wisdom with their clinical expertise in mental health to help you address your unique situation. Their special platform gives you the ability to connect with your counselor at any time, not just during scheduled sessions. I love that they offer a number of ways to connect with your therapist. You can FaceTime, talk on the phone, or even take advantage of unlimited text messaging. The counselors are easily accessible and willing to communicate frequently and in the ways that are most comfortable and convenient for you. I have found this to be especially helpful during the pandemic. If you want to find out more about Faithful Counseling and see if they might be a good fit for you or your family, I encourage you to visit their website. And don't forget to use my discount code to receive 10% off of your counseling sessions. Check it out at faithfulcounseling.com slash fightingforjoy. I can't say it enough. Quality counseling is a worthy investment and a powerful tool in the fight for joy. Okay, now let's get back to my conversation with Molly. Um, you've mentioned it a little bit. We've just talked about some ways you've dealt with it, but let's just talk a little bit about grief, about what you've learned in grief. I mean, you share a lot of this in your book and so many of the thoughts and experiences that you shared about grief really resonated with me, but what are some common themes that you've experienced in all of your losses? You know, losing your mom, enduring your miscarriage, losing sweet Tage, losing your marriage. What are some things that you've learned about grief in general through walking through these multiple losses? Um, I think the first thing is um, that grief is universal. Hmm. We will grieve. And so um, to not be surprised, you know, I was so surprised when at the age of 24, I lost my mom and I thought, wait, I'm not supposed to be grieving. Like this is mm-hmm. supposed to happen in a couple decades, you know, Um but to just not be surprised by it, yeah. first of all. And then second to, you know, I had heard it said that grief is like an oblong mud puddle. Yes, I loved that. Yeah, you sure can walk that. around it and you will get to the other side, but it will take longer. Mm-hmm. And um, or if you can just go in, choose to go into the muck and you will walk through to the other side faster. And my husband has had his own, um, griefs as well. And, uh, you know, he, he always says, he's like, Molly, you went through it. Like Mm. you chose to go into it and it was messy, but you got to the other side faster and, Mm. and he went the other way. And so he, he got there, but it took a lot longer. And, you know, he's like, I wish I would have just, I wish I would have just gone in head first, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I really, I really you know, I know there will be more griefs in my life, you know, and, 
but now I know for sure I'm not going to be surprised by it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm going to just dive in and whatever that means, you know, yeah, allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to kind of step back and slow down for a while and say no to things or, um, you know, getting a counselor was huge for me through all of those losses. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, just really taking the time to look at the grief and hold it in your hand and, you know, wrestle with it. Um, yeah. So that it can, so that it can be healed, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just come popping up when you least expect it all the time. Yeah. I love that analogy. And you do share that in your book. And, you know, I, that's one thing that I've been helped by too, is just the leaning in, just the diving in and just doing the hard work. Um, There are other ways to avoid or to be busy or to walk all the way around, like you said, but um, we have to get through it at some point. And, you know, doing it sooner than later, I think can bring quicker um, healing. You mentioned counseling for me too. That was a huge tool to be able to dive in and to lean in and to, you know, really wrestle with this grief. Um, You know, I think one thing that people struggle with with counseling is that it's it's exhausting. It's hard to find the right counselor. I mean, I personally have met with three different counselors, so I know it's hard to find the right fit, but it's really, it's really worth it. So share a little bit about, um, about your counseling experience and, and just how that has been a helpful tool as well. Sure. I, um, I saw four counselors before I found Mm. the one Mm -hmm. in Indy who was really great. And now since being in Kentucky, I've begun meeting with a fifth. So, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think it is really important that people know it's kind of like dating. Mm -hmm. You may not find the fit, you know, the first few times, but it's worth it. So, um, so just continuing to try and, um, you know, it, it was so helpful, um, particularly on with the fourth counselor and, and all of them offered something, mm-hmm, you know, there, mm-hmm. there is something that I got from each counselor that helped me in my grief journey. Um, but the fourth counselor was the one who really helped me in the deepest ways for my personality and, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so it's, it's definitely worth it to, to keep trying. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, the great part about that is, you can set aside time to grieve in an appropriate, I don't want to say appropriate, in a more comfortable space mm-hmm. so that it doesn't come out, you know, yes. before yes. when you don't want it, you know, because before I had a, um, a counselor, I would just start crying in the middle of a restaurant mm-hmm. when I didn't want to because I'd just been pushing the grief down. Yeah. Um, and so you know, to, I use an analogy of a grief cup, you know, our cups fill up with grief and they can only hold so much and then they're going to spill out. Mm -hmm. And so we can either empty them in a safe environment Mm -hmm. or they may slosh out in the middle of dinner at the cheesecake factory when you don't want it to happen, you know? So, um, yeah. So I think that, you know, it's hard, it's hard to willingly walk into a place and be like, okay, I'm probably going to cry. Yeah, I'm probably right, going to lose it. Right. Um, but I don't know what your experience was. Mine, when I would leave, uh, any, any counseling appointment really for the most part, with the exception of one counselor, but I, I would feel better every oh, time. for sure. Yeah, I did. I felt helped. I felt, um, yeah, relieved of some of the sadness that had been, you know, filling up in my cup, like you said. Um, I just think, you know, doing that hard work of grief, having a safe space to to learn about grief, even with a licensed professional. I mean, somebody who knows what grief should look like, somebody who knows what healthy progress looks like, you know, and vice versa, what isn't healthy, what red flags to look for. I mean, when this is a new thing, you're like you said, surprised by this grief and you're just fumbling through trying to to navigate it. And like for me, I was trying desperately to try to help navigate each of my kids through their own unique grief journey. It just, it provided such, um, such help. And yes, I definitely left feeling 
like, okay, that was a worthy hour. That was very helpful. I feel um, like I've taken one step forward now in my grief. Um, yes. You know, this week I had a friend reach out to me for advice because she just heard about a tragedy that happened and she wanted to know what she could do right away to help or to show love. And that's a question I get often. I'm sure you do too. And I think the answer always bears repeating. So after walking this road a few times and in a few different ways, what would you say are some of the most helpful things that somebody can do, you know, right away in the first hours and days and weeks following a death or a loss or a diagnosis or anything, you know, hard that you hear about a friend is going to start walking through now? Sure. Um, I think that for me, there were different levels of relationship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my closest inner circle of friends, uh, I appreciated certain things coming from them that maybe, you know, a coworker, you know, when I was at the elementary school who taught a different grade, you know, so I wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. as close to. So I think, you know, the, the first question is how close am I to this person? Do, does this person have other support, you know, um, mm-hmm. because we may not have to be the ones who jump in, you know, mm-hmm. there, um, sometimes I think, uh, you know, just allowing the closest people to do that is, is helpful because it can be overwhelming. I, I had a hard time sometimes, um, juggling all the mm-hmm. people and saying, well, what can I do? What can I do? You know, which of course is never the thing to say. <laughs> right. right. I, I can't, my brain's not working. I can't tell you what to do, but, um, but mm-hmm. with my closest people, um, showing up is by far, Mm-hmm. the the most important thing, even if it's, um, and taking all the pressure off, you know, so Molly, I'm going to come, um, you know, if you, if you want it, I will come just sit in your living room on your couch. And if you want to talk, we can talk. If you need me to wash dishes, I'll wash dishes. If you need me to run an errand. Um, but people who showed up, whether it was at, a funeral home or whether it was in the hospital or whether it was, um, afterwards when I'm in the ho- quiet house all alone, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I, oh, go ahead. No, it's fine. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think that I had to get to that point too, of just accepting the people that God did bring, not, you know, extending grace to the people that didn't show up when I kind of thought maybe they would, but you're right. I mean, there is, um, there are different levels of, of different things that people can do depending on your, your relationship. But I, I always say to people like, just do something, um, you know, just instead of asking, like you said, what can I do? What do you need? Um, you know, just doing something, just picking up the groceries, just dropping off a meal, just mowing the lawn, right? Like, and I say often too, it doesn't take much to remind a grieving person that they are remembered and cared for, you know, a quick text or setting your phone reminder for the first Mother's Day or for the birthday or, you know, those little things are so meaningful and really don't take much time out of your day. But our days get busy again in the grieving person's day, you know, their life has come to a standstill. So we reminders on our phone can be super helpful. Um, And I think too, oh, go ahead. So along those lines, you know, that kind of goes with the different levels of friendship. There were, you know, acquaintances who would text me regularly, Mm -hmm. probably because they were thinking about me or they put a reminder on their phone. And, you know, their encouraging words were always Mm -hmm. helpful. And I remember, you know, the people who would regularly text or um, a group of people that I worked with knew that I liked to run for stress relief. And so, you know, without asking, they just put together a bag of new running clothes Mm. and dropped it off, you know? And, um, so I I think you're so right. Just do something like what, what could you do? Um, Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't necessarily remember every single thing that every person did. Although I do remember a lot of those, um, but I, I definitely have an awareness of who was there, mm-hmm. you know, who showed up, who yeah. reached out. 
um, yeah, in my too. time of need. And like you said, also giving grace to people who maybe feel really uncomfortable with grief and they just don't know what to say mm-hmm. and they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. to give them that space. I think that's, you know, one of the beautiful things of we can comfort those with the comfort that we've been given. Yeah. You know, when you've gone through loss, you know, what's helpful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what's not helpful. And, um, yeah. And, yeah. You know, so that it's, great. And it, it, you know, it is, it can be hard on relationships, like you said, for the people who don't know what to do too. And I don't know if you experienced this, but for me, like, I know that I reminded quote unquote people that hard things can happen, right? Like my loss, our family now was this reminder that like, oh yeah, hard things can happen and hard things may be down the road for me too. And I did have, I had a friend call me early on in grief. I was maybe a month or so in and, you know, she told me that she, this was too hard. You know, she said, this is my worst nightmare. And I just can't stand to watch you go through the grief and to be close enough to you as a friend to think about that this could happen to me too. And, you know, as hard as that was, and there's plenty of grace for situations like that, I just kept thinking like, well, at least she's saying that because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are feeling that. And um, I don't know. I just, I think we can be a reminder to people of the brokenness of the world, but you and I both, I know, are striving to be hopeful reminders and stories of what God can do through these hard things and the beautiful things that he can produce through it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your book. First, tell me about the title and how you came up with that. So the title is The Moon is Round. And um, it is, there's a chapter in the in the book um, Tage's funeral, Mm -hmm. our pastor shared a story about um, a teenager who had leukemia and she was a Christian. She knew she was dying. And so after she died, her parents went through her journal and they kept seeing the phrase, the moon is round Hmm. um, in her journal. And uh, eventually as they, you know, kept scrolling through, they realized that it was sort of her mantra, like the moon is round, no matter what it actually looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, if we only see a crescent, it's still round. If it's a dark and stormy night and we can't see the moon at all, it's still round. Mm -hmm. Um, and God is still good and loving Mm -hmm. even when we can't see him or even if it doesn't look like he is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, ultimately that is the, the message that mm-hmm. I want the world to know is no matter what grief you're going through, what dreams are, have been shattered, you know, God is still good, even though it doesn't look like it, hmm. you know, just hold on because, because he's good. And, hmm. um, I love so. that. I love that. And I don't know, um, you know, when this exactly will be released, but last night was election night and I had a number of people kind of post similar um, thoughts this morning on um, social media about the sun is still coming up, you know, God is still on his throne, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's what you're getting at. And I think that is an important message when people are facing really hard things to be reminded of what is known, what is true, what is sure. Um, so yeah. And, you know, I'm sure it it has presented some weird challenges to have a book released in the midst of a pandemic and all of the (laughs) social distancing stuff that we have to live under now, but share a little bit, just what has it been like, um, you know, writing a book and releasing a book? Has it been healing? Has it brought up more, more grief work? Um, I'm sure both (laughs) just what kind of feedback are you getting to and who are you trying to reach in this and just share a little bit about the process and then how it's going. Sure. Well, um, it, it's been a process for sure. I knew that I was supposed to write after my mom died. Hmm. I just didn't know there was going to be, wow. you know, more loss, yeah. um, before there was ever a book. And, um, and so in the last couple of years, uh, I really felt, you know, the Lord say, okay, now, now is the time. And, um, so there's just been lots of writing and lots of editing and lots of crying over a laptop at my kitchen table, you know, Mm, trying to, to go back into the emotions and, um, and 
but it has been healing. Like you've said, you know, Mm. um, it's, it's been, I feel like I've covered every angle of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, but my hope is, you know, when my mom died, I wanted this book Hmm. Um, and it wasn't out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted, because the book has some of my journal entries. Yes. I love how you did that. Yeah. So I wanted to read the story of a young woman who lost her mother and who could tell me about the grief and could tell me about all of her questions. And, you know, um, and so that sort of, um, I used journals to write part of it. It, um, in real time then. Yeah. Yes. In real time. So, um, Mm -hmm. I, I'm hoping that that will be encouraging to other people who are going through, any loss. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm that, sure. Yeah. I'm sure you know, it will we can be. pray this way. Here is scripture that's helpful. Plus it's written in narrative form. So it reads mm-hmm. like, you know, as a novel for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, for you know. sure. That's why I got suckered in right away. And just, <laughs> I really, yeah, I'm loving it. And I know, you know, everybody listening should look into buying this book because it really is encouraging and such a special book. And, you know, I've had a number of people tell me that I should write a book, but I do not feel that prompting. Like you said, that you felt it right after your mom died. I just, I don't think that's what God has for me in this. I feel way more directed towards this podcast. And, other opportunities like that. I mean, I love to write, but, um, you know, my story involves other families too. So it's not my story only. And I want to be sensitive to that. And I also feel like I can tell my story, you know, through these episodes, through social media, um, you know, through Instagram pictures and, and I've started, um, I've started using chat books. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a way to turn your Instagram posts and pictures into a book. And so I have a bunch of those on my shelf. And anytime anybody says like, are you going to write a book? I'm like, well, there's my book right there. (laughs) Because I'm kind of figuring out a way to just, I didn't want to have all that get lost out on the internet. I wanted to have it in paper and in print. Um, because I do pour a lot of my heart out on sharing with other people on social media. But um, yeah, that's kind of my my book. But you shared a little bit about it when you explained the title. But, um, you know, what are a couple of the main takeaways that you want people to walk away with after reading your book? You said that you shared some of your journal entries because that's what you wanted, you know, after your mom died was kind of the in real time um, raw feelings. I think a lot of people write a book down the road and they may have, you know, lost some of that aspect of it. But if somebody reads your book and, you know, they finish the last page, what are, what are two or three things that you're kind of hoping that they will walk away with? I would say, um, the, the biggest one for me is just to seek God. Hmm. Um, because there is, for me, there, there has been nothing that's come nearly close to, um, being able to process grief and pain, Mm. like knowing God more intimately. Yeah. And the way that we know him more intimately is to seek him, you know, and, and over and over in scripture, he says, if you seek me, you will find me, you Mm. know, he's not hiding from us. And so, um, I think oftentimes, you know, we're like, why does God allow suffering? And we have free will, but one of our choices in free will is to seek him in it. Um, and for me, I would not have, I would not have sought him in the same way, you know, if I hadn't um, mm. gone through suffering. So I'm really hoping it encourages people to, to seek him. Mm. Also, what I've heard from a lot of people is just um, realizing how personal he is. Mm, I love that. Um, you know, there's a couple of times in, in the book where he did crazy things that clearly only God could do. Mm. And, um, you know, just that people would see how, how personal he is, um, in our, in our sad moments, in our happy moments. Um, and, and thirdly would be scripture. I've just really developed such a, a passion for people reading scripture for themselves. One of my, um, family members, um, grew up in the Catholic church and she's been telling me recently, she's like, I don't, I don't know why, you know, our church doesn't, you know, encourage more Bible study and, and things like that. And, um, but just how getting in scripture herself has been so helpful Hmm. because I think the Holy spirit speaks to us there. For sure. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And and we get to, you know, we learn things by not just seeing them, but they go deeper in us if we experience them. Yeah. And so, you know, you can hear that God loves you, but if you are grieving um, whatever pain you're going through and you come across a verse that just lights your heart on fire because you're like, what? Mm-hmm. That's what God says, you know, mm-hmm. experiencing him um, changes has changed everything for me. So I love that. Um, I'm hoping that that will I'm hoping I'm hoping my book will encourage people to get into the Bible for themselves yeah. and and oh, meet God there. I think it will. That's beautiful. Well, we are not promised, you know, a happy ending to our story here on earth and many many people go to their grave without, you know, any sort of satisfying conclusion to their story or a sense of their life being restored or or redeemed. Um I think that's why heaven provides such hope and why we cling to God's promises of, you know, what will be true someday. Um, when we are with him and not in this difficult world anymore. Um, that being said, sometimes we are given a taste of restoration and do experience a new or a brighter season. Um, I know for our family, you know, even in the midst of all of the yuck that 2020 has brought with us, we have experienced um a new shift in our grief. I mean, I'm feeling laughter return more easily for me. Um, we've begun to dream and kind of plan for the future in some ways that we haven't since, since Jackson died. Um, you know, so what has this looked like for you? I know God has brought, you know, some, some new things into your life. Um, and I'd love for you to just share a little bit about what this last few years, the sweeter season of redemption and renewed joy has looked like. So, uh, when I was in that little apartment, um, I'd been, uh, divorced for about a year and my, uh, friend asked me if I was ready to date. Um, and so she wanted to introduce me to someone she'd gone to high school with. Hmm. Um, and you know, she's like, okay, Molly, he is, uh, divorced, has two kids and lives in Kentucky. And I was just like, no, 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 I do Uh not. That's not the picture that I had for myself. But I also had learned, you know, that my plans, um, you know, God, God can have better plans in store than, than just my plans. So, um, and then she said, well, and also he is my high school ex-boyfriend. Like I dated him oh, funny. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, that's either really weird or a really good right. plug for his character. If you're yeah. willing to True. Uh, set me up with him. So anyway, long story short, we did, um, a long distance relationship for about a year. And, um, and then I moved down here to Kentucky and we got married a few months later. And, um, so his two daughters are now, um, 14 and 11. And so I became a stepmom and, um, you know, my dad had gotten remarried. So I have a stepmom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another part of grief, um, in my book, actually just wrestling with all of that. And so it's been really neat to see how the Lord used my relationship with my stepmom to prepare mm-hmm. me to That's be neat. a stepmom. Yeah. And, um, of course, there is, there's a lot of grief for all parties in a blended family. You know, mm-hmm. no one is living their plan a life. Um, mm-hmm. And yet there's can be so much restoration and love. And um, so that has, that is continuing to be something where the Lord is teaching me. But um, mm-hmm. so my husband's name is Guy and um, we now have a two-year-old son together named Mac. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just been so neat because, you know, the the day that I had to surrender my desire to to be a biological parent, um, you know, I, I love to tell the story that like that day there were three pieces in my hand. Like either God was going to um, change my ex husband's mind about having biological children, hmm. or you know, we would not have biological children or we would adopt, you know, or not have any children or we would adopt. And those were literally the only Hmm. three pieces I could see. And, um, and yet what's so amazing about God is when we think that we have all the pieces, he has more pieces. Hmm. And he knew that day that I surrendered that to him, that I was about to go through a divorce and that it would be really, really painful. Um, and that then married to someone else, the, the genetic component wouldn't be there. And, Hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's just, 
it is amazing. Um, you know, he is a, a God of good gifts. And so I, I know that whether we experience full redemption, this side of heaven or not, mm-hmm. he is good and loving and he will give good things to us this side of heaven too, you know, um, even if our full redemption doesn't come hmm. until, until heaven. But, um, mm-hmm. and so, so here we are living in Kentucky and, um, and you know, it's not, it's, this isn't heaven. So there, it's not a fairy tale. It's not happily, right. it's happily ever after yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been really, um, just a delight to get to be loved, Mm. um, in a way that I didn't realize I'd never been loved before Mm. in a marriage. Mm. Um, and to get to be a mom who Mm. gets to enjoy her children as a gift, not as an idol. Right. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you are doing a beautiful job of fighting for joy. Like you said, life continues on in this messy, broken world. And, with a blended family and moving and all of the changes, I know that there are probably still days that it is um, it is a challenge and that you really have to dig deep and utilize some of those um, ways that you um, shared that you fight for joy and and I love how you start out the book too by just talking with your re- to your readers you you just address them right away with the idea that God is not done with your story and mm-hmm. I think that that's what I'm hearing from you as you share about um, where God has you now in Kentucky with your family here that he um he has done some amazing things and you are in a totally different season, experiencing a totally different kind of life. And yet he's still not even done with your story yet either. And there are um, other things ahead and we can trust him with that. So, well, Molly, this has been such a rich and meaningful conversation. I've just, I've loved getting reconnected with you and I was so looking forward to this. Um, if people want to find your book, they want to find you on social media. Um, how can they find you? I am on Instagram at Molly M. Huffman, and uh, I have a website, mollyhuffman.com. And then the book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Great. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you or that you wanted to leave my listeners with today before we wrap this up? I think you just hit the nail on the head that he is not done with our story Mm -hmm. as long as it is called today the bible says as long as we are still living and there is today um we know he's not done and he's he's always going to work in and through us for Mm -hmm. his glory and um it's going to be so good that's awesome well thank you for giving testimony that god is worthy to be trusted following him is worth it and just letting us um, share in in the beauty and the powerful ways that God has worked through your hurt and your brokenness and your loss. So keep going, sister. I am cheering you on and um, just really thankful we could have this conversation today. Thanks, Jody. Me too. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.